to have a little pop quiz. We do this with the youth from time to time. We have our Bible quizzes, and we ask them scriptures, and they got to give me the answer. So let's do a quick 10-second part with you guys. Can anyone tell me what is Jericho Road's mission statement? What is our mission? I heard somebody say it, restoration. I need another one. What, what, is, our, what is our DNA? I heard, I heard something else. Go ahead. Becoming family, encountering God. There's one more. Well, you do need vision, and we're going to talk about that today. Impact in the world. So let's tie it up. Becoming family. So we agreed that as a church family that before people will accept Christ coming into the church house, that we will automatically help them become family. We would treat them like family so they wouldn't be judged. That's number one, which I think we do a great job of. The next thing is what? Encountering God, right? So those of you who don't have this and you have a phone or you have a pad and pen, you might want to write that down. So we're, we're becoming family. We're encountering God. So every time we come into uh, the sanctuary, we come together as a body. We're going to make sure that we uh, encounter God. And last but not least, we're going to what? We're going to impact the world. Not just our own lives, not just our family lives, not just the city lives, the people in the city. Hello, somebody. Amen. But everyone throughout the world, right? And we're going to tie it back to all to what God has done for all of us. If we look back over our life, there's something that he's done for all of us, which is, I don't know about you, but he restored me. I know he's restored you. In fact, you wrote a book about restoration. He's restored. Have you restored? Has he restored anybody? Okay. So, so this, is, this is where we're going today. Keep in mind, that's where we're going today. The, this, the second thing, Micron hit it on the head, which is vision. All right, and I'm going to come back to the Habakkuk, come back to the book of Habakkuk, however you pronounce it. But anyway, chapter 2 talks about where he said, and the Lord answered me. So as to let you know that for those of you who have been saying, man, I've been praying about some things. I've been hoping on some things. Some things have been tied up. Some things have been in doormat, laying still. It seems like it's in a holding pattern. I want you to know that. Eventually, if you get to that verse in the book of Becca, he said, and the Lord answered me. So he does answer you. So I want you to know that your prayers are being answered. So I just want you to get a feel of where we're going today because we're talking about restoration and we're also talking about vision. Because without a vision, the people perish. Come on, somebody. Somebody get with me today. Amen. Without vision, the people perish. All right. And the Lord answered me. He said, write the vision. Write it down. Make it plain. Though it tarry, in other words, he's letting you know it takes some time, it takes a while, but it, 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 it will come to pass, will accomplish, all right? It, it will not tarry. It will come to pass, but it's going to take some things. That's the second thing, it takes some things. And no, you don't have to work for God's love. Yes, he loves us, but, but it, it, in order for you to fulfill vision, it takes some things. And, and what, what I'd like for everyone to understand today is that outside of the vision part, we all have been through some things, some personal things that, that, that no one knows. Some, some of us may have said, well, I'll take this one to my grave. No one will never know. And some, some of us have been through some things that have been put on display, amen, have been put on display where people have seen you, your, your, your weaker moments and have pointed the finger, aha, yeah, see, that's not who I thought he was. That's not who I thought she was because he's there or she's there. Yeah, God can't use you. And that's a lie from the pit of hell because God has restored us. Bill just read, for I will restore the years the locusts, the canker worm have tried to eat and destroy. So that's where we're going real quick. See, a lot of times...
people look at um, the great glory and the places people have been and the things that people have done, but they never, we, we're surrounded by a whole bunch of phony people who just won't uh, unclothe themselves with what they've been through. Very few people want to know your business but won't tell you their story. I, okay, maybe I'm talking, maybe, maybe I'm talking, okay. I'm going to talk to the prodigal son because i got some people who won't talk back to me in here. So that's what I just feel like. Like a lot of times, you know, people want to know what you've been through and how you left the house, right? But they won't tell you what, what, what they've been through. So that's just, that's just, yeah. But if you're ever going to get through something, sometimes it takes that supernatural, surreal moment for someone to just unclothe themselves and tell you their story. Someone who may have been struggling with an abortion, and been carrying it for a while, don't want to share it because it's an embarrassing moment. Only to meet someone along the way that have been redeemed from it, that is willing to expose it and say, here's what I've been through. Because what happens is you don't glorify uh, the sin, but by telling someone else that you're normal and here's where I am, you help elevate and pull them out of a pit, which is a low place that they've been in. So, amen? So... Everyone give a hand for Preston Pollard. Come on and join me up here on the set. Yep. You on? Testing, testing. Testing, Mike. Good morning. There we are. You guys are looking good. All right. Like I'm at home. Yeah? Yeah, Yeah, it feels good. Okay. (laughs) Don't don't fall off the seat. I'm going to laugh. It's a little wobbly. I'm going to laugh. I know you're going to laugh. You want to switch? I I can make it. All right. Hey, man, I'm just telling you. You fall, I'm going to laugh. All right. And then I'm going to help you up, but... I'm going to get a good laugh. We'll see if he does. Yeah. So we look at all this wild stuff, right? And so before you came, I got a chance to show them one of the promos. And I got a chance to see the big billboard of you in Times Square where over a million people come to join uh, around just to see a little ball drop. Pretty crazy. Yeah, right? Yeah. And so so this billboard is in the heart of Times Square, Mm -hmm. right? And then you see this amazing video right here. I don't want to give it away, but can you, because it's great. They need to know the backstory. They need to know the backstory backstory about that. Right. Wow. So just can I just tell them a, a five second piece? This video before it got to here, it was like four years. It was four years in the making to getting to where he is today. And I'll let him share. But it's, the reason why it had to be signed in and I couldn't convert it and stuff, because he's actually shopping this project as we speak to Nike and so forth and so on, some other people. So that's why it had to be privately logged in on the back end. But come on, man, tell us where you are. Well, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. You guys have been treating me like family, Brad, everybody, to everybody I've been meeting. You guys are amazing. You guys have just been so, uh, just been, I, I, I feel the love. Okay? I told you that. I told you that my church I feel the you. love. Uh, and so uh, this is just wonderful. Uh, as you guys know, if you don't know, my name is Preston Pollard, and, I, and I'm born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska. And I always like to tell people that because a lot of people say, Anchorage, Alaska, there's black people there? I say, Not many yes. people can hear you. There, there's black people in Alaska. And a lot of great things have happened in my life, but a lot of people don't know the behind the scenes of how things have started. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, my aunt was really the first person to start taking me to church. I'm going to be honest. I really didn't, didn't want to go to church that much, you know. Wait, you, you're the only one? <laughs> oh, okay. I, yeah, okay. I, I'm going to be, I wanted to play my yeah. PlayStation and play hide and go seek. And, <laughs> hide and go seek. And my, but my aunt, she was, she was the one that would take me to church. And uh, she, she really told me about the Lord. And so for a while I went out and I decided that I wanted to do what I wanted to do, which was, you know, 
start hanging out with the wrong crowd, the kids that were drinking and smoking and doing the partying thing. And there's a, I've been through a lot of mess, you know, with all that. But after I got in like a car accident and I could have lost my life, uh, something turned on. And it was like, you know, what am I doing? God has given me a gift, a gift of skateboarding, a gift of uh, connection with people. I really have a gift with that. And I, I, after that, I really wanted to uh, change my lifestyle. I gave my life to Christ. And I'm not saying I, after that I floated around like an angel or something. <laughs> but he did something incredible. And what, am I, what do I mean by that is he started to use my gift as skateboarding to not only reach my community in Alaska, but to reach people all across the world. So after that, I began to just skate and skate and skate. And I ended up getting on this tour called Borders for Christ, and it changed my life. And then I started having bigger visions to not only wanting to impact the community of skateboarding, but different gifts that I had inside of me. So I started modeling. I started doing acting stuff. And see, when you see that billboard in Times Square, it's, it's more than just that. I went to New York previously four years before that, and I would see billboards. When I went there, I would see, you know, all the rappers and all these things. And I would say, you know, why can't believers be up on there? Why does it only have to be people in the world or secular or whatever we would say? Mm-hmm. Why can't believers be up there? Mm-hmm. So I went home and guess what I did? I can't draw that well, but I drew out a stick figure of myself on a billboard in New York City. That's what I did. Mm -hmm. I started to be able to see it. Mm -hmm. And I want to let you know that if you have a vision, you have to be able to see it before you actually see it. Amen. You have to be able to see it because a lot of people aren't going to be able to see what you can see. So sometimes you got to see it. You got to see it before you see it. Exactly. Because if you don't see it, when you see it, you won't recognize it. Give me some of that. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So I drew myself out on this stick figure, and I didn't, I didn't tell nobody. I just did my thing, and uh, it was like maybe a couple months after that, I had some pictures. I reached out to Forever 21 just to be on their blog. It's like a, I was happy with that. I was like, if you're going to put me on their blog, that's cool. That will be a blessing. So I sent them some pictures, and they were like, you know what? I, I guess one of their other uh, People backed out or whatnot, so they said, you, you can send us some more pictures. We would like to put them on your blog. And they emailed me back, and they said, no, we want to actually put your pictures on a billboard. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. Praise God. This is yeah. a blessing. Yeah. So I used that as a tool. And, and a lot of people, seeing a lot of people all over, would email me, and I would tell them, the Lord gave me this opportunity. The Lord opened these doors. And so after that, a lot of things happened, but I was actually... An assistant to, mm-hmm. to an actor. He was in this movie called Super, Super 8. 8. It was a big movie, Spielberg movie. I got the opportunity to basically... Anyone know who Spielberg is? Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> just, uh, just so so you, I was on a me. set with, you know, J.J. Abrams, these big directors, and I'm sitting behind and getting to watch how movies were, were put together. And I was, and I was assistant to this actor. So this guy was like 14 at the time. And I was just whatever Wait, he hold did. on real quick. So you were serving first. I was serving you, a 14 You thought you were ready to come on front, but you I were was, serving. I was in the behind You were behind thing. the mountain. Way back. Okay. Be way okay. back. The, okay. the, the, the mountain and then the desert yeah. and the mountain and behind that. Okay. And it was a humbling experience. Can you imagine working for a 14-year-old who's making a lot more money than you are? So you might want to tell him something, but you can't tell him none. Because, you know, you work for him. But I made sure that I was going to be happy in the position that God has put, could, you know, put me in. So I made sure I was serving. So I served, I served, I served. And on, on, on the set of Super 8, ended up meeting this uh, behind-the-scenes director, mm-hmm. great man named David Melvin. And there was one of the days, he was just having one of those days where he... He really wanted to be the director. You know, he wanted to direct films. He didn't really want to do behind-the-scenes directing. He wanted to, you know, do, do, do some big things. And he, 
he was doing behind the scenes work at the time. And so there were some days where he was like, man, like, this is a lot of work. I'm trying to, you know, he, he wasn't actually in, he didn't feel like he was in the calling. Uh, I don't mean to pause you, but I just feel like this is the time to even talk about this, that some of you may be sitting there and saying, man, whatever, you, whatever I'm going through the situation, I mean, I feel like I'm behind the scenes right now. I feel like I'm behind the mountain right now. It seems like it's just like, like Lord, do you hear me? I, I feel like this person got this promotion and I probably was, 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 was well-deserving. Or It seems like I've been trying to get this idea to work and that idea to work, but I'm behind the mountain right now. But I want you to know, it, just, just tie it back to the book of Becky, and the Lord answered me. So God is going to be answering your prayers. So, go, just. so after he began to tell me how he felt, I began to encourage. And I want to let you guys know that there's going to be people... Around your life, maybe family or friends, and you need to encourage your neighbor. And so I wasn't spitting the gospel at them, that shit, that, and do, 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 boop, 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 bang. I didn't do that. I just simply encouraged them and loved on them. Okay? That's all I did. And so I guess he felt motivated, motivated by that. And so a couple months later, he invited me to his office. I didn't even know, big old office and everything. He sat me down and he said, so tell me your story again. He said, well... This story is fascinating. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Slow down. So you're black, you skateboard, you're in Alaska? That don't even make sense. <laughs> Y'all look at, that don't make sense. I, I get it. So he's like, I would love to do a story about your life and what you have accomplished. And I was like, you know, at the time I was like, that would be amazing. But a lot of people in L.A., they, they say things and Hollywood talk. You know, Call me, babe. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah. So I was excited, but then I was like, we'll see. But literally... A couple months later, the guy flew a crew of five people from Los Angeles to Alaska, all the way to Alaska. He'd never even been to Alaska. He, we flew there, and he's like, all right, this is the idea I have. You're going to skateboard in the snow like this? I was like, I never even skateboarded in the snow like this. It was so cold. <laughs> it was cold. I had so hand warmers in my hand, the feet, the side. I mean, I never even did some of the stuff that you guys seen. So you mean to tell me you had to be uncomfortable to I be would, comfortable? Man. Okay. Not only that, but the hydrant shot, that was a special moment. They had to actually use a, a fire torture to, to get all the snow. But if you can imagine, it's icy. It's slick. How, how is it possible to land on ice? I don't even know how it worked. But it was God that made that happen. The other shot that I really love when I'm all over says to Alaska to L.A., that shot was amazing, too. I actually hit the filmer in the head doing one of those shots. It was so crazy. But on top of all that, the guy invested of his own money $40,000 to put that, to make that three-minute video, which was a blessing. He didn't ask me for nothing. Let me freeze right there. There may be some some youth in here today, and I want you to know that if if, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. You might not have the finances to fulfill the dream, might not have the resources, but God will give you what's called uncommon favor. And since the age of 14, I've been asked, 13, I've been asking God to let his uncommon favor rest on me. Um, favor that just don't even make sense in the natural for someone to say something like, I'm going to invest 40000 into this project just for you, Preston. And so it, make, it gives you that double look effect, that whiplash effect, like who, me? And, and the uncommon favor where we must understand that favor will take you places that money just can't go, right? And so you could have all of the money in the bank. Uh, some finances can't overcome sickness, I'm going to say that again. I'm going to try to help some people in here. Some, there's finances that can't even overcome sickness. What do you do when you've been diagnosed with something and, and you can't pay your way out of that? You need the hand of God just to say. And, and, and I'll speak on that. 
because my aunt was diagnosed with cancer, and they told her it was, uh, she was the only one in Alaska who had this particular type of cancer. And uh, they told her, you ain't going to make it. I'm going to be honest. But she is a woman of faith. I mean, she is a woman of faith. And so when they gave her that news of death, she began to speak life. And in those times, we have to speak life. Mm-hmm. And so when we heard those news, we started praying, started praying, started praying, healed in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to jump to um, this here with the, the, the what, what made you start? Let me just hold this up. This is like his, he started his own skateboard line and has his face buried in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot so of where, it. Where, where, where did this? A lot of it came actually uh, just from serving. Again, everything really came from serving. I nearly never was like, I want to. So you weren't on holiday? Huh? You weren't on holiday? No, no, no. Vac- oh, we call it vacation. They say holiday. So okay. you weren't on holiday. Okay. You weren't, you weren't like just taking time off and just doing this and done. No, no, no. It was, it, it was, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was serving because I got the opportunity to actually. So you were available. I was available. Okay. I'm just trying to figure and it out. Yeah. I ended up meeting a lady um, she had a, you know, at, at, a, um, at a birthday party. And so she asked me what my dream was. And these were really, I was around really successful people. And, and so when you're around, I was being smiling. Like, this is my dream. My, my dream is to serve others and help kids and help people. And so the first assignment she gave me was, well, you've got to go speak in Compton. I was like, ooh, Compton. Mm. I don't know about that. Uh, if you don't know Compton, that was, you know, one of the worst parts of L.A. But anyway, I was like, yeah, if God calls me, I'm going to do it. So I started serving in Compton, watched all these different places. Next thing you know, she's like, we want to help you a little bit further. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, we want to get you on the Oprah Network. I said, what? Oprah? Oh, I know Oprah Winfrey? She's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, get out of here. She's like, no, for real. So. It was like a year after that, and I ended up having to go on to the Open Network, having a meeting, and uh, it was wonderful. I did, I hosted on the show on on, the, on Oprah.com four times, doing like these small inspirational talks to uplift young the younger generation or whoever. And after that, they were like, "What do you think about making your own skateboards?" And I was like, "Man, that'd be a good idea. Why not?" Because there was like two years before that, a company was going to make my own boards for me, but they weren't really. Do, they weren't, uh, you know, really picking it up. They were just kind of mm-hmm. saying they're going to do it, and I was like, okay, okay. When you start doing, um, just the backlog, when you start pushing stuff to brand stuff with different corporate sponsorships, like a Nike, uh, Under Armour, so forth, so on, just to give you guys the back, the back drift of it, it could take anywhere from six months to a year to, to, even, to even get to a meeting, not even just a decision, but just to get to an actual meeting where you come to the table and actually meet. Yeah. So, but, yeah, so I thought about it, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to go on faith. I'm not going to order, like, 10,000 boards because that would not be wise. But I was like, I'll order 100 of them, you know, just like Brad when he put out his CD. You know, order 100 of them. Why not? Give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. I ended up, like, selling, like, 70 of them give, and ended up giving a lot of them away. And it's just, you know, I want kids to dream and be like, this doesn't even make sense. Why, first of all, why does he have snow on his face? Well, the reason I have snow on my face is because I went out. And I actually, I ollied, I jumped over a small pond in Alaska on my skateboard. I put wood over here. There was a pond of water that was probably like from, from uh, Lefty down there. And I ollied over both sides. It doesn't make sense. I'll have to show you a picture so you can actually visualize it. And after I did that, I got so excited that I just put snow on my face. Okay? And it doesn't stop there. So the photographer, his name is Brian Adams. He's a Native American in, in, uh, in Alaska. Very well-known photographer. Has shot pictures of Sarah Palin. A lot of big-time people. And he loved my picture so much that he put my face on his book. 
It's called I Am Alaskan. And that went all around the world. And so after that book came out, I was like, you know what? I might as well put it on a skateboard as well because it doesn't make sense. So sometimes you might have these ideas of things you might want to do that might seem crazy or stupid. But those crazy and maybe stupid ideas could turn out to be something actually bigger than who you are. But I want to say this, that um, some of you may be up at night and having all of these, 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 these downloads of visions or dreams or what you feel that God is, is calling you to do. But the problem that I have, I have this aunt and uncle who I, I, I love them so much, so dearly. Uh, my wife and I often say that uh, Fred and Glenda reminds us of, of my aunt and uncle because they act exact like to the T. Glenda acts like Aunt Shirley, which is my mother's sister. Fred acts like Uncle Ronald, which is my mother's brother-in-law. Um, but uh, he served this country proud, uh, 11 years uh, in the military, in the, in the Army. Um, but he always gives me this one thing. He w- wants to move and, and get another house. But he keeps saying, uh, well, Jermaine, I'm waiting on God. Waiting on God. Okay, cool. I can deal with that. I can dig that. Six months later. Well, I'm waiting on God. Okay, well, maybe you haven't heard that in six months. Okay, I understand. I can dig that. Three years later, Ethan, I'm waiting on God. (laughs) So I had to to just just tell him, man, you know, respectfully. Now, actually, I think the Lord is waiting on you. So what I'm saying is oftentimes John will say the answer is yes or the light is green until it's red. Right? So we move in faith and we go and we go. And, and God, God, will, God, will, God, will, God will caution you. He'll, he'll slow you down. Oh, no, no, there's a waiting period. But while you're waiting, you're still going. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, like, you, you, you go to a restaurant, you order some food, and, and the waiter leaves, takes your order, leaves, goes somewhere else, takes another. And they're still serving other people. They're still, you're, they got your order. It's still coming, you know, but it's still got to keep moving. So in that, in that whole patient pattern. But you still got to keep, okay, while I'm waiting for an answer on this, what else could I be doing that's going to help fulfill the dream, fulfill the vision, and start going in another direction while I'm still waiting on this? Because it's all meeting in, in, in the same, going down the same stream. No, I know, and I agree because, like, when, she, when the waitress takes your food, it's still cooking. You got to wait for it, but it's yeah. still cooking. So mm-hmm. we got to understand that our dreams, when we go out and we're, we're doing it and we're, we're praying, it's still in the works. It's mm-hmm. in the works. Mm-hmm. It's cooking. It's like uh, you guys remember Daniel, the worship team could come. You remember um, Daniel, he said, uh, what did the Lord tell him? He said, I, I left the moment you prayed. When you prayed, I answered it. But what took three weeks is the Prince of Persia. There, there, was, there was weight. There was a fight to actually get the answer that I answered for you to you. So the answer was yes. It just was pressure. It was, like, it was almost like an arm wrestling match. It was like, uh, and, it, and it feels like that. But it's in the waiting period. So can we give Preston a hand, ladies and gentlemen? We'll get some more from Preston in a moment. Keep in mind, we're talking about restoration. We're talking about vision. You heard from Preston talking about how it was four years prior. took four years to, to find that, that person who would speak into his life and be favorable, 40000 for this video clip that you saw that's now being shopped. I believe Nike has it right now. Um, it took time when he was uh, working on the movie set for, for someone who was way younger than him, right? to find favor and move on. So, so it's, it was just waiting. So no matter how long it takes, right, you're still pushing, still pursuing the vision or the dream that God has given you. Let's welcome right now uh, Jason Schwinney. Let's give him a hand. Mic check. How y'all doing? <laughs> Port Alberni, all the way from Baltimore, Maryland. So 
You're in, you're in paradise right now because we're complete opposite. And uh, let me explain. So I'm not an outdoor person at all, right? I mean, at all. I'd rather go to Chuck E. Cheese, which they don't know about Chuck E. Cheese. We don't have Chuck E. Cheese here. I'd rather go to Chuck E. Cheese with my kids, the movies, the mall, that kind of thing. Maybe bowling, but it's different. It's like um, a smaller ball, a smaller pens. It's different, right? But you, on the other hand, you, 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 you fish, you, 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 you hike. You, you're in heaven right now. Am I right? Yeah, I'm actually looking for bears and cougars. I want to see them. And so Preston and his dad, we went on a hike. Well, actually, Preston and I went on a hike yesterday uh, with Brad. And uh, Preston was praying before we went, please, I don't want to see any bears or lions or animals. You sound like I was me, praying, right? Lord, let, yeah. I want to see them up close but and personal. Let me, give you a quick, let me just give you a quick uh, hint, okay? So Preston and I understand, we understand that... Um, Nothing good comes out of the woods. Okay. In fact, in fact, uh, Fred was sharing a story with me when he was out in the prairies. And uh, either they were trying to scare someone or they thought it was a bear, but it was pitch, it was pitch black. It was dark. And, and, and he said to me, he said, you know, Lefty, you just got to be faster than, 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 than the slowest one. You, you don't got to be last. And that sounds good. But I'd rather, if I can help it, just don't be near it at all. Yeah. Well, the Bible says to lay down my life for you, Lefty. So yeah. I will lay down my life for you if yeah. we ever go out in the woods. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that, but you won't, you, you, you won't catch me out there. But thank right. you. All right. Yeah. No, I appreciate the gesture. I just won't even ask. Yeah, no, that, that means a lot to me knowing that. Yeah, just knowing. I'll keep that in mind in case the Lord heals that area of my life. And then, yeah. I'm praying so, for healing yeah. in that area. So um, before, we, before we get into all of that, um, like you, 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 you've literally... Uh, when we talk about restoration, God has literally uh, restored your life and done some things in your life. Give us the uh, what we call the elevator lift. You know how well. Let me explain what that you is. You stole that from me. Yeah, yeah. I let just me said just, that. I'm gonna explain. You labeled it that. I call it something else. Okay. I stole it from somebody. I, okay. I call it the two point. So basically, the elevator lift is just kind of three quick points, so we can move on. Boom, 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 and then move on. So give us the elevator lift. Take us to the third floor of of that whole restoration. All right, so uh, like Preston said, thank you guys. I feel the love mm-hmm. from everybody. And so I feel really welcomed. It's, it's been like being at home, and I'm 3,500 miles away from home. <laughs> oh, you did the math. You before I came home. out here, before I came out here, I looked at the website for Jericho Road, and I did see that you guys are all about restoration, community, those things, vision. And I was excited because that's, that's my story. And that's... Everybody's story in here, if you're walking with Christ, he's in the process of restoring you. But, but he did something when you gave your life to him. He put that restoration in you immediately. You might not see it when you look in the mirror yet, but he's doing it. And so my story, real quick, though, the elevator version of it, is I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, well, I had a Christian mother who was radically on fire for Jesus. I saw Jesus in my mother, she demonstrated what it meant to be in love with Jesus. I knew God was real. And my dad, I never felt unloved in my family. My dad, he was an awesome man of God. or not, He was an awesome man. Um, he taught me how to be a man. But Just my mom was the closer. one. My mom was the one who showed me Jesus. Um, I went out into the world, did my own thing, got into mountain biking, had moderate success at mountain biking. Got to the point where I was starting to make a living at it, but Jesus was missing. God was missing. God was pursuing me. I failed. I, my relationships failed. My finance failed. Um, 
I didn't have any real direction, and my ego was out of control. I was rubbing people the wrong way. Long story short, things fell apart. I blew it, to put it in a nutshell, the first time around. Relationally, financially, my sponsorships, I blew it. Gave my life to the Lord about seven and a half years ago. Things kind of got worse before they got better, but I had tremendous peace. I had a relationship with my Savior. You know, he started to change some things. He, he put inside of me that righteousness. He put inside of me a peace that surpasses all understanding. And then began this journey, you know, this long journey, this long restorative process. He had to tear me down. He had to tear the old me down, in a, in a, in a sense. He had to tear the old house down uh, and get down to the, the, the root. foundation, mm-hmm. you know, and rebuild me. So it was a painful process. I'm not saying that uh, it was easy because it wasn't. And like Lefty said earlier, you don't know the story behind the glory. And uh, so it's been a long process over the past seven years. God started putting it on my heart early on in my salvation in the first year or so that, that I would do this again, this bike riding thing. But as a ministry and for his glory. Freeze now, up. I didn't have anything. Freeze real quick. John, you, that, does that sound familiar to you? What, can you just pass that to him really quick, five seconds? Share, share why that's familiar to you. Because that, that that's a point for you that I know is for you. But I think when you lose everything and you totally mess up, as you say, you think you've lost it forever. And often people around you uh, don't expect it either. But there were people here who believed. But God is faithful. And so he will... If you. If, as soon as I said, yes, I will, then it was the beginning of it. What, what did he say to you, though? He told you that if you, if you did this, he would do that. I was working on a, my house, and he said, if you build a house, I'll build you. I'll restore you. If you restore your house, I'll restore you. There you go. And so the, uh, the verse that came to mind, or that was on my heart, and my mom had, had taught me scripture all my life, so I knew a lot of scripture, and the one that kept popping up when I first gave my life to the Lord was, I will restore the years the locusts have consumed. And I grabbed a hold of that verse and not only thought it, but I started to speak it and to write it down and started to have this dream, this vision, that one day I would, I would ride this bike again like I had this weekend um, and encourage the saints and preach the gospel to a lost and dying world and use this for God's glory. But... I had nothing. I mean, I literally had nothing. I lost. My truck had been repoed. I had no finance, no money in the bank. I mean, I had no bikes. I hadn't ridden in a while. No relationships. No one to borrow from. No one trusted me. It was a bad situation. A lot of this, a lot of this came from the relational stuff that just began to. This is when things began to crumble, correct? I mean, it came from my bad choices. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, I had no relationship with with God first of all, and then from that because I had no core. You know, in my in my sport, my core is really important. If I don't have a strong core, I can't I can't do all these tricks and everything stems from a strong core. So I had no core in my spiritual life. My core is my my relationship with Christ, my prayer life, my fellowship, my community, my um, reading the Bible, all these things, my worship. Mm-hmm. So if I don't have a core rooted in Christ, rooted in a strong relationship with him, my relationships fail. They suffer. My business suffers. My, mm-hmm. my dreams, my passions suffer. So I had mm-hmm. no core. So a lot of you may be sitting there just saying, you know, wow, this whole core stuff you're talking about, I see it takes a lot. Because I couldn't do that, bro. And when I, I said that to you, in fact, um, Friday, and you said, well, I couldn't play basketball. You know, uh, I, I, there's no way I could do that. But you, it takes that core. And, and, and I like, what I like about it is, like, you've got to take the natural 
and transform it into the spiritual. So you're saying you need the core to be able to do this, but you also need the core things in the spiritual in order to continue to walk, walk in the depths of Christ, or to, to go to another realm or another dimension or another level uh, in him uh, to, to operate at a, a stronger, where you feel strong. But most of the time, and, and John says this a lot, especially in our Bible study, our Wednesday prayer, is that it ties it back to community. Where you, he, he calls you back to other people. It's not like, okay, well, I'm in my closet and this is what the Lord told me. And he'll tell you, and he's like, well, I don't want to hear that. Because until you come <laughs> with everybody else, that, that, the rest of that doesn't work. And that makes me, so, so God started to give me a vision. Mm-hmm. And I started to write it down. I started to believe it. But community was crucial. Other people, God wants to use other people in our lives. And so I was going to a men's breakfast on a regular basis to get plugged in with fellow believers because I knew I needed to be discipled. I okay, needed... hold on. Men, did you hear that? No, the men, come talk to me, men. Did you hear that? Okay, so he was coming to the men's breakfast. So just and... let them know, just so they know, uh, and then we'll speed this up a little bit. There's... How many people pray for you for this event? So how many men? How many men? Well, we'll fast forward to right now. Every Monday night, I, I'm in a mm-hmm. men's group. I've been there for two years. I have, I have a core group of men, which are about 10 to 15, that are right mm-hmm. around me, that mm-hmm. really know me intimately. But outside of that, we have about 150 to 200 men that meet on Monday nights before we break into our small groups. And we do life together. And mm-hmm. before I left, they surrounded me. You know, my small group got right around me, laid hands on me. The 150 men stood back and, re- and put their hands towards me, and they prayed. They sent me out. I'm covered by my church and my men's group when I go out on these events. So, and they know me. And they know me. They, there's no dirt that they don't know about me. And so if you guys dig up some dirt on me, somebody already knows about it. It's not going to surprise anybody. I mean, I... Yeah, and see, th- this is the thing. So, and, and so sometimes us as men, we say, oh, well, I'm not going to tell that about it. Oh, forget that. And so what, what, just to give you a, a quick version of this, so what, what, what John tends to do is he, he exposes himself so people can see it for where it is. So that, that, that now, what can you say now? So Transparency. Now, now You've got to be yeah, transparent. Very transparent. Now let's get, to the, let's get to the meat of your issue now that you know. Can I yeah. encourage everybody real quick with one thing? Because we were getting, the men's breakfast I was going to talk about, because the vision is important, but we've got to get around people that can help us. Mm-hmm. I had no money. I had no way. I, did not, I was like, God, if this is you, you're going to have to give me some encouragement. You're going to have to show me this is you saying I'm going to do this bike thing again because I had nothing. Sitting in that men's group breakfast, the youth pastor sitting next to me, he says, what's God laid on your heart? What's going on? I told him real quick what I just told you guys. I had this vision. I have nothing. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't even know if it's God. And he said in the next sentence, what if I bought you the bike? And mm-hmm. so, long story short, I went home, had a message from an old friend I used to compete with. Out of the blue, he's asking me if I want his old bike for cheap. And that youth pastor bought me my first bike, which confirmed, you know, mm-hmm. God was calling me to this. Mm-hmm. And, and now, it didn't happen overnight after that. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't a couple of hundred dollars. That was a couple of grand. It was, I mean, a thousand dollars, which is mm-hmm. a lot of money to me at the time. Mm-hmm. still a lot of money mm-hmm. to me. Well, the, the thing is, you know, at that time, you still... You probably still couldn't see riding again, still couldn't see get back up. So I want to encourage you guys today. You know, God, God has some things. You just stay at the well and, and he'll have something swim to you. Right. Because he knows what's in your heart. He knows what you've been pressed. It'll swim your way. And, and, and the thing about that is it ties it back to the uncommon favor. You can't explain it. I just stepped into it. 
it just one day, it, it just it just came my way. I, I just can't. I was obedient in, in faith, not in fear. And then this happened. And then I turned. And then that happened. And I, I just can't explain it. Next thing you know, someone's doing a film thing for me. Next thing you know, oh man, I'm in Times Square. Next thing you know, God adds His super to our natural. Mm-hmm. We need to do something in the natural, which God is t- showing us in His Word. We need to be in communion, fellowship, all these mm-hmm. things. And mm-hmm. somehow he lines things up. But if we're just sitting home waiting, like you said earlier, it's an active waiting. We need to be serving our church, Amen. serving our community, Amen. doing things. You know, I mean, not just doing things for the sake of doing them, but doing the right things. Mm-hmm. And then God puts people in our lives. He lines up divine encounters and appointments mm-hmm. like me and Lefty, how we met. Mm-hmm. I'll get right? to that in a second. Cool. I want to come before we get to that. I want to come to the fact because people don't know. And this is dear to me because I've been in this situation before. I know what it's like. And it wasn't my responsibility. You know, a, a, a eight year old can't handle it. Right. So I come home one day and the, I'm thinking what's on my mind is normally what's on my kid's mind, which is snack. I want something to eat. I want to do homework, maybe watch a little bit of TV and that's it. Well, I come home one day to this huge letter on the door and a padlock and it's the sheriff's. Uh, letter and, and it's been an, an eviction and so you go from that to being homeless right so talk about so I, I you know when 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 I hear stories of people of their brokenness of being homeless like that stuff pierces my heart and I want to actually try to you know do something or figure out well, well what are your dreams what it is to try to help kind of realign that and and so just speak into this whole thing where were you I know it was Alabama but we're share that part of your testimony well i did end up somewhat homeless in alabama for a little while i'm from baltimore maryland but Mm -hmm. when i spent a year in my first the first year i was saved i spent a year in a basement learning about god hearing this call to do this reading the bible when i got released from that an evangelist had contacted me from down south um, wanted me to come down there and work with him and i someone told me once don't jump out of the pot you know don't don't do things prematurely you know, you do need to test things. You need to be wise about your decisions. Make sure that God is really calling you to certain things. I believe God let me go down there. I just kind of jumped out of the pot. I literally, this guy said, don't jump out of the pot. And I just jumped right out of the pot. I packed up everything, put everything in storage, said, this is God calling me. You know, <laughs> God gave me the vision, but, but he still wants me to be wise with my choices and what I do. And I didn't really check this guy out. And, you know, I just went down there with nothing. And I ended up. The guy didn't do exactly what he said he was going to do, and things didn't work out the way they were supposed to work out. And God allowed me to be in a wilderness situation because of one of my choices. And I lived on probably 13 different couches and in, in my truck in church parking mm-hmm. lots. And I was mm-hmm. like, God, why? And uh, he actually started telling me, that, started asking him what instead of why. Mm-hmm. And I started to learn from the Explain experience. Explain that what. What is, what is that? Help, what help is he teaching me? You know, instead of saying, oh, God, woe is me, why this, why that, instead ask him the question, what? What are you trying to show me through this? So some of us may be sitting here today, and and we have that, right? Sometimes I get there, sometimes at midnight, I'm saying, why? Lord, why? I don't understand this, why? And so so I believe the Lord is allowing you to give us another nugget, which is the what. But what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me? What, What is it that I'm not getting? What is it that I need to be learning instead of... Instead of the why. Let's speed it up a little bit. We're going to wrap this up a little bit. But so I come home. Well, the homeless thing ties right into what you're going to say. I'm going to I'm a tennis hit it to you. I think I said it wrong, but you know what I mean? Serve it up. Yeah, I'm a serve it. So here it is. I'm, I'm, I'm on my couch. I just come off tour. I just come off tour. 
my wife and I were supposed to have two kids at the time. We had, we had our daughter, and we had just lost one. I had just come home, and I was completely, I was done with people. I was done with ball. I was, I was done. And I remember the Lord said to me, he said, uh, call Paula White. So I thought it was me. And because I, I explained to the Lord that uh, I, don't, I not only don't know who she is, but I don't know anyone tied to her. And then the Lord explained to me, he said, call Paula White. So then I'm thinking, okay, whatever. Let me just try to whatever. And I'm thinking this is going to be quick. The Lord told me this is happening. I know he spoke to me. This is it. Some time go by. And I thought, boy, did I miss it. Because surely if he said it, it would come to pass, right? His word, he said that his word won't return unto him void, but it will accomplish where he sent it. So surely it's going to come to pass. But time went by and I said, man, maybe I missed it. So my wife's out and about. And I get a phone call, and at the time, my wife was handling a lot of my day-to-day stuff because, I was, you know, while I was on the road still playing, she was managing me, handling the, the, the lefty brand outside of basketball. And so um, she wasn't home, and the phone rang, and I was sitting on the couch. I just was really done with everybody. I just was like, man, this is nuts. This is crazy. I'm depressed. You know, I just lost my kid. You know, it's everybody's fault, right? And so um, the phone rang and says, hello, can I please speak to Shanifa? And I said, uh, she's not here, Mass was calling. Uh, hi, my name is Paula White. Um, I'm actually, I uh, want to leave a message for Lefty. Uh, this is Lefty. Hey, I'm like, oh, now I'm looking like, whoa. I do apologize. I was away with uh, my father, Bishop T.D. Jakes, who is, uh, for some of you who don't know, he's the largest pastor in the whole United States. Like, he's got, like, almost 40,000 members, right? Tons of um, bestseller books, da 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 whatever, whatever. Right. Almost two million followers on Twitter, whatever. So uh, that's our spiritual father. And uh, so I was away in Africa at Megafest with, with, with Bishop Jakes. So I apologize for not getting back to you. Um, so what's going to make a long story short? She says, um, we ought to meet. How about you fly to Dallas tomorrow? So I fly to Dallas the next day. We're talking. We're talking. She says, we need to get you. The world needs to hear the story. So at the time I had submitted myself to my uncle, who's, a, who's an apostle, and um, just really making sure that confirmation for, for in terms of preaching for me. And um, I went on there. She gave me a voice in the gospel. I go on, and John clowns me about the blue suit. And so I go on there and, 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 and minister my testimony. And then comes Jason. Here you go. All right, so I said God gave me a vision. It was about the first year of my salvation. In the base, I was living in this basement, and I was watching tons of athlete testimonies, people that were – using their sports, football, basketball, skateboarding, bikes, to share their faith. That's how I got this vision. I believe the Lord was telling me to do this bike thing again. I fell in love with the Praise the Lord show, and that was where I was seeing a lot of athlete testimonies. I saw Lefty on TV being interviewed by Paula White wearing the blue suit. Nice suit, by the way. Fast forward, I was homeless in Alabama. I still had the vision for this, but I made it home. By the grace of God, back to Baltimore, and I knew the Lord was telling me he had just taught me a valuable lesson by this homeless situation. I thought God was going to zap this vision into reality, into manifestation, and I didn't have to do anything for it. He was just going to give me this ministry, and I was sadly mistaken. He wanted me to get a job. (laughs) He wanted me to go work and, and regain and build some work ethic and character and integrity. So I started looking for jobs. Now, I I looked for jobs that lined up with physical fitness, with biking, 
But he said, put the ministry on hold. I'll deal with that. You get a job and work and be obedient to me. So that's what I did. I, I started looking for gym jobs. The gym I ended up working at, first of all, over 500 people applied because it was at Under Armour Athletic Apparel's headquarters in Baltimore. They hired me and two other people. That was uncommon favor in itself. I was working the front desk. It was a humble service position, picking up Wait, dirty so you, sweat towels off so the you, floor. You, you were serving again. I was serving. Before, okay. And it's, it wasn't a lot of money. And I was like, at first, I was so you like, Lord, time. You were serving. You I was serving. serving. Okay. I was almost paying them to work there too. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it was. Yeah. It wasn't a lot of money. I wasn't making mm-hmm. a lot of money. But, was, but long story short, so there's you, a whole you lot. You we weren't twenty yet. You just were serving. What's that? You weren't, you know, twenty yet. You were serving. I was serving. Okay, go ahead. I still had, I was still doing this a little bit, mm-hmm. but not, it wasn't. Not at the level of where you are now. It wasn't where mm-hmm. I could see it going. Right. Mm-hmm. So, long story short, I was sitting at the front desk one day. And who, so the phone rings. I answer the phone, Under Armour Performance Center. How can I help you? And this lady starts talking about her husband. He's a basketball player. Now, this is years after I've seen the Praise the Lord show. He's a basketball player. We're looking for sponsorship. And I said, well, hold on for a second. You've, you've kind of got the wrong number. You're actually looking for the sponsorship department at Under Armour. You have the desk at the gym at Under Armour. But I know who your husband is. I saw him on the Praise the Lord show. I'm a, I'm a believer and a bike rider. I have this ministry. I started telling it was Shanifa. And she was trying to find the basketball sponsorship department for Lefty. And I knew who he was. I knew who she was talking about. I'm sitting there going, I can't believe that she is on the phone. with This is unbelievable. I knew it was God. I knew it right away. So she said, Lefty would love to talk. I said, I can hook you up with the basketball sponsorship coordinator. Actually, he just walked in here earlier, and he works out in here every day. So she said, Lefty would love to talk to you. And yep. Lefty ended up calling me uh, like that night or the, day, or the day after. We became friends. He started pouring into my life, by the way. He became a man in my life that he said, I want to start to speak into your life. He started calling me almost every day for a while, mm-hmm. just asking me how I'm doing, encouraging me. You know, just being the kind of man that you guys know Lefty is. But just so you know, I, what I saw was I saw I saw you where I was before the globe tried him on. You see, I know what it's like to get right there, to get in arm's reach and just can't even grab it. You see, I had over a deal worth over $2.7 million taken from me in 24 hours. So I know what it's like to try out, you know, the Denver Nuggets cut me, right? I know what it's like to move on and say, well, I'm going to try this NBA thing again. Get down to Orlando Magic. Everyone tells you you're great. Only, only for, you know, the week of the, the regular season to be let go. What I saw was I saw a person who I, I saw you where God saw you, your, your, your future. I wasn't looking into your past. And, it, and I knew that if, if I could have a person that, that would let me speak life into something that was doormat or something that was dead, that not only would God resurrect it, but he'd elevate it. And so oftentimes, we as people, we, 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 we back up, we bend, and we go into this fetal position, and then we start complaining, and oh, it's not happening, or why, why, and then we get into this rocking stage, and we start crying, instead of standing on the word of God and the word of truth and allowing people to speak into our life and give us elevation. Amen? What was, what was important to that whole piece was this. So the gentleman he's talking about, Chris, Chris Hightower is responsible for signing uh, a lot of great athletes who are under armor, um, names I won't mention, uh, but a great shooter, Steph Curry. I'm on the phone with Chris, 
And Chris asked me, do I know someone named Five? And I say, yeah, I know Five. So he must think that I want a deal. So I'm, I'm lying. So he, he doesn't call me back. He says, hold on. So he calls Five on three-way and clicks me in. And he's like, lefty, lefty. And I said, Five, you know, it, it's get him. He's like, what's up, man? Uh, and so he's like, y'all know. He's like, I told you. Well, long story short, Five and I turned pro together when I turned 22. We were in vet camp together when it, for at the very beginning, at the ground floor, where it all started. And so the, 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 the relationship with him, because of your obedience, allowing the Lord to use you, and, and I won't even get into the whole Merle Lynch thing, and then I gave up basketball and I went back and whatever, whatever. And because of my obedience and li- listening to the Lord, the elevation came, and because it just all came together. Is it, is it, is it making sense to you guys? So I don't care where you are. I don't care... I don't care where you are. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care what you've done. When he went to the cross, he paid for it all. And if, and if we're believers of Christ, God has launched us into a, uh, into a dimension called kingdom, right? Into his kingdom where he's willing to, to help us and give us the things. And always the answer, always the answer is yes. The answer is always yes. And so um, the, the, the answer is always yes. This, this basketball and a case. Um, and, and the reason why it's here and the reason why it's on my desk is because I, I just I don't know, man, if if the Lord take many things from me, the one thing that I, I, I pray that God never takes from me, Preston, is vision, because a person that has no vision is dead. Get through the moment you stop believing and stop seeing is the very second you stop living. The mere fact that you're sitting here listening today and worshiping here today God is not through with you. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what's broken. I don't, just like he did it for Preston, he brought him uh, uh, from skating in Anchorage, Alaska. That makes sense to me. To Forever 21, billboard photo in Times Square. Listen, a, a million people come to this crowded area in Times Square just to see a ball drop. And you look in the air and you see all these things. And there's this black kid from Alaska with a bow tie standing in his glory that God has given him. And what we love about it is this. Preston doesn't look like on the billboard what he's been through. He only, people can only see him in the light of the way God sees him. And so now they say, wow, can I have your autograph? Can I have this? And he gets the opportunity to welcome the glory, cover it. Turn down, do in squat position and give it back to God and tell them who gave it to him. You with me? And here's a guy who's been praying for success. He's been doing this a long time. 20 years is a long time to do anything. Been through all kind of hell, brokenness, homelessness. Lord, you telling me to get back on this, but I don't even see how I'm going to pay rent. If I tell people my dreams and tell people where I've been and where you want to take me, they'd laugh. If he said to me, Lefty, God is going to restore me. I'm going to get back on that bike. I'm going to be traveling the globe, preaching the gospel from a bike, coming to Port Alberni, hopping up and down bleachers, telling people about Jesus. I would have told him he was crazy. And you know why? Because I didn't even think I'd be in Port Alberni. So surely he crazy because I don't know how he getting there because I don't know how I got here. Only to turn around back in squat position 
and give God back the glory. So you look at these accolades. I was a nobody. This basketball, this is my 1,000-point ball. When I scored 1,000 points, this is the ball from 2000, February 15, 14, 2000. But I remember when that kid couldn't do none of those tricks. Elma, I remember when I couldn't even score basket. You wouldn't have let me play for you. I wasn't good enough. All I could do was rebound and attempt to play defense. But I found a family because mine was a little uh, uh, distraught and in different places. I found a place where I can be accepted only to know that God will say, it's not about you being cut. It's not about the millions of dollars that you should have had. Because I've got some people that's in the league today that are nowhere near as good as I was. But what's for you is for you. And let me drop this nugget before we do ministry time. If it's for you, you can't lose it. But if it's not for you, quit crying about it because you can't keep it. I'll say it again. If it's for you, you cannot lose it. I don't care how long the delay is. I don't care how many times people try to rob it from you and you feel like that you need what you lost. God will use what you have left. And what's left is his word. I never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you to the end of the earth. If you write division, I will restore the years that the canker worm and the locusts have eaten and tried to wipe away from you. If you get in squat position instead of fetal position and do a push-up so you can get up. Is that all right? So if we can just move this bike to the side. Some of you sitting there today, and this might be a, too much of a radical message for you. I'm, 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 I'm tired of being passive. I'm tired of conferences. I'm tired of people speaking things that I already know is already in the house. We don't need another person to come do this because we got some people in here who's talented to do it. Uh, amen? Uh, let me. Yeah, because I don't think they got I got a high five you over here. Yeah. So, yeah, and then let me come back over here. I'm going to step out of that because I might have stepped in something. So let me step out of that. But people, we got to dare to dream. We got to dare to dream. The book of Numbers, I believe, chapter 13, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but, but they were grasshoppers. But people saw them, Preston, as, as they saw themselves. So if, if you see yourself as a grasshopper or as a weakling, that's how people are going to see you. Who cares about the addiction that you used to have? Who cares about the abortion that you used to have? Who cares about the fall that you went through? Who cares about the fallout that you went through? Who cares about the divorce that you went through? Restoration. Restoration. We're going to become family. We're going to encounter God. And we're going to impact our lives and the world. The world. Lefty, how am I going to do this? Many of you fly. That's a chance to impact somebody who's going in another direction. Who ultimately we hope to God that will receive the Lord and then plant another seed. For one person plants, one person waters, but God sends the increase. Amen? You may be sitting here today or standing here today saying, listen, this is a great message. I promise you, if God can do it for Lefty, if God can do it for Preston, if God can do it for Schwinney, Jason Schwinney, God can do it for you. Because we serve the same daddy. And I don't know about you, but out of my three children that I have, I don't have a respected person. I love EJ the same way I love Kiara. I love uh, Kiara the same way I love Caleb. And I love Caleb the same way I love my wife. If you lost a dream, if you've abandoned it, if you've been discouraged by some things, if some people have discouraged you, I hear, I, 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 we, we lift that curse. We lift it. We remove it. We cast it into dry places. We dry it up. We strangle it so we can dream.